How's it going, everyone? Uh, my name is Tim Dixon, and uh, thank you for tuning in to the Project Re3 uh, sermon podcast or video, however you're watching us. Uh, again, my name is Tim Dixon. I'm an associate pastor here at Project Re3. And if you've been uh, tuning in the last couple weeks, then you'll know that we've been doing a new sermon series called Reset. And so what we've been talking about is how just with everything going on with the COVID-19 and, and everything happening, there's never been a better time to, to do a reset in your life than right now. And even when I was getting ready for the sermon, I was thinking about this idea of a reset and how, you know, it, it, we so naturally as human beings tend to very gradually and slowly kind of drift towards um, what's easy, you know, and what's comfortable and what's familiar, even if what's easy and what's comfortable and what's familiar may not be what's good for us or what's healthy or what's the best. And so for, for that reason alone, it's, it's, so, it's just as natural, you know, every once in a while um, to have these moments of reset in our life where we, we re-examine some things and we reset some things in our life. Um, right now, Wendy and I are three days in to a 10-day cleanse. <laughs> Because so, as, as some of you may imagine, we've been quarantined at home, and all we're eating is junk. We're eating chips and cookies and ice cream. Uh, in fact, like, like last week, I was like, I have to go to the grocery store because I need chocolate peanut butter Briars ice cream. It was that specific. I knew exactly the ice cream I wanted. And, uh, and so we were like, we need, to, we need to rein this back in. So we're doing the thing where we've cut out carbs and sugar and caffeine, all you know, all the things you look forward to in, in food, and we're and, and we're we're kind of you know, just just reining that stuff back in. So, um, but for us, it's very much a, a dietary reset, you know, so that we don't end this quarantine in worse health than we started it with. And so, but but resets like that across every level are are normal and 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 great for us. And so, you know, we, we've been going through um, the life of Joseph, because if you look at the life of Joseph, you know, he, of, of, you know, anyone had, you know, a lot of involuntary resets in his life. You know, and if you, if you look at the story of Joseph, you have these moments where, you know, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, you know, and, and, and that was a, a huge reset that he did not choose for his life, but, but he, he flourished in it. And then he was framed by Potiphar's wife and was thrown in prison. You know, and so you have all these resets that he didn't choose for himself, but still took them as resets and, and thrived in them. And so that's why we've, we've chosen Joseph as our, our topic for what we're doing and how, and how we're talking about this idea of reset. And so if you tuned in last week, uh, Mike talked about gratefulness and how it's important to be thankful um, even, even when what you're asking for maybe is, is, has, isn't going to be given or, or God isn't going to answer that prayer for a while. You know, timeliness is, is on the Lord, but it's really the, the best situation for us to maintain gratefulness um, regardless of, of when that prayer is going to be answered. You know, the, the Lord doesn't need our thankfulness you know, it's the best thing for us to be thankful while we're waiting for our prayers to be answered. And so uh, today we're going to be picking back up and we're going to be talking about um, how Joseph being proactive uh, helped accelerate him and promote him into his position of authority over Egypt and, and, and kind of what, what's the role of being proactive in the kingdom of God and in, and in, and in heaven. So I'm going to open us up in prayer and we're just going to go ahead and dive in. So, Lord, we just thank you that <clears throat> you're a God who, who wants to be involved in every area of our life. 
And Holy Spirit, I thank you that, that whether people are, are watching video or, or listening to the podcast or um, if they're listening to this the, the day it comes out or they're listening three years from now, Lord, that, that you are outside of time and that you are working on, on your behalf to bring your kingdom to the earth. And Lord, I just pray that um, you would just cover up anything I may misspeak that your word says that, that you teach, you reveal truth, and that you would work on your own behalf to reveal your own truth and to, in to, in to speak to your people. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So uh, as I was preparing, I thought I had a pretty good idea of what proactive meant. Um, but I did look up the definition just to be sure because I didn't want to talk about something that I, I had wrong the whole time. Uh, so, the, But the, sure enough, the definition of proactive is acting in anticipation of future problems, needs, or changes. So, and so as I was kind of, you know, mulling that over, I, I did decide to go to, to Facebook land and, and pose a, a question to, to people on, on Facebook and um, got some interesting responses. And so my question that I posed to my friends on Facebook was, if you could go back six months before COVID, and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? And so, um, got some great honorable mentions. Um, buy stock in Zoom. Um, learn how to cut your own hair. Uh, buy toilet paper. You know, some great, some great honorable mentions. Um, but if, if I were to kind of boil down most of them to, you know, kind of a top two topic, um, the, the runner-up would be to, oddly enough, take a trip. <laughs> a lot of people said they would uh, go back six months and tell them to go ahead and take that trip they've been wanting to take. Go ahead and take that vacation um, because who knows when, we'll, when it'll be safe to travel again. And the number one response of, of most people who when they responded was to spend more time with friends and family. You know, to, to see the, the family they've been putting off seeing, see, you know, don't turn down invitations when friends want to go out and do something to see everyone that you would want to see. You know, and I, I think that's really insightful because obviously who knew this was going to happen six months ago? There's, there's no way that any of us would know that this was going to happen. But I, I, I do think when things like this happen, there's lessons to be learned. Th lessons like, you know, l you know, li you know, treasuring the experiences that you get to have, you know, when you get to have them. You know, treasuring the relationships you have and, and not taking those relationships for granted and, and time with the community for granted. But as we look at the story in Joseph, you know, he, he did have this um, amazing insight into to what was about to happen in the nation of Egypt and, and this, this really um, supernatural understanding of kind of what needed to happen that he was able to speak into. So we're going to go ahead and, and jump into Genesis chapter 41. And, and for those of you following along at home, we're, we're going to be reading from verses 28 to 36. And so uh, to give you some context, what's happened is, you know, Pharaoh's had two dreams. And none, none of his mages, you know, none of, none of his um, advisors could really give him any insight into what these dreams meant. And his cupbearer, who Joseph had helped out a few years ago and asked him to remember him, who didn't remember him then, um, remembered him all of a sudden and said, hey, there, there is this guy that I knew in prison who was able to interpret my dream and able to help me out. You know, we should ask him. So they, they pulled Joseph out of prison, give him a haircut, give him, give him a shave, give him a shower, change your clothes, and he's standing in front of Pharaoh. And 
Pharaoh gives him his two dreams, and he interprets the two dreams to pretty much mean um, you're going to have seven years of famine and seven or seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. And so we're, we're picking up in verse 28 as he's um, explaining everything to Pharaoh. So starting in verse 28, he says, It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the, is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. So, so you know, Joseph comes in and he pretty much just knocks it out of the park, you know, interprets the dream, you know, and, and, and then pretty much gives Pharaoh this plan of, okay, here's, you need to appoint these people over these cities to take a fifth of the food during the years of abundance, store it aside so that, people, so that we have a, a means to eat and to, to stay afloat during the seven years of famine. And it's really easy as we're reading through scripture, and especially as we're reading the parts of the Bible that have stories, to just read the stories. But I actually like to, to read the stories and think, well, how else could this have gone? And, and maybe it's because um, I, I work with people a lot. But I, I read the story and I go, it would have been really easy, maybe even common, if, if Joseph would have gone up there and maybe even interpreted the dream and then goes, that's rough. <laughs> you know, you know, seven years of, of abundance, great, and then seven years of famine. Sorry, man, that's, that's a tough break. I, I got nothing for you. Good, good luck with all that. And then go back to prison. You know, not, not provide an idea, not provide a solution, not, not give any extra understanding, but but to just see the problem, see the situation, and go, well, no matter, you know, God said it was going to happen no matter what, so no, no amount of intercession or praying is going to stop it, so I guess we just write it out. Sorry. No, J- Joseph, Joseph had this, you know, ability to go into situations and, and, and bring insight that, that brought credibility to his name, bring insight um, that, that brought, trust that that there was something about not just what he said but the way he said it that that pharaoh the ruler of this whole kingdom met this guy once heard what he had to say and put him in in charge of everything and knew that he was not only going to act in in the country's best interest but in pharaoh's best interest and that he could trust him with everything and he did and so i look at this the story of joseph and I, and, and, and I look at, you know, him thriving in, in Potiphar's house and then thriving in prison and then coming in and being positioned with Pharaoh and getting, being promoted by Pharaoh. And if anyone had an excuse, if anyone had a reason to think that the circumstances of his life were outside of his control, wouldn't it be Joseph? 
sold into slavery by his brothers, framed by his master's wife, passed over in prison by people that he helped. I mean, if, if anyone would have reason to, to surrender and, and believe that whatever happens in life happens, I have no control, I have no influence, I have no authority, it would be Joseph. But from what we can tell and what we read, it's actually quite the contrary. Everywhere he goes, he thrives. Because everywhere he goes, he's influential. Everywhere he goes, he contributes. Everywhere he goes, he, he is, is a hard worker, and he adds value, and he helps out, and he's trustworthy, and he gives the best of himself, even in prison, even in slavery. And so long before Jesus came on the earth and talked about how God is a father who, who loves us deeply and is radically for us. Long before King David had a tabernacle outside of, of the city walls that, that, he, that his vision was for everyone to come and be in the presence of God. Long before Moses worked with God to get the entire nation of Israel to be a royal priesthood. Long before any of that stuff, you had Joseph who was serving in his master's house who saw what God was doing and wanted to be a part of it. Joseph was a master at partnering with God wherever he was at. And so you look at something incredibly practical, like being proactive and, 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 and seeing potential problems before they arise, like you know, eating a bunch of junk food you know, at, during quarantine and not wanting to, to get sick so you, you do a cleanse. Or you know, we actually had recently had some trees cut down because they were dead and we didn't want a bunch of dead oak trees in our backyard before the hurricane season. You, know, you have that, and then it's saving some money for a rainy day. It's putting some food away. But whatever insight you may see into a rainy day that you want to be prepared for, what, whatever proactiveness looks like to you in your life right now, the bigger picture is we're all partnering with God to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, and we're all operating in a way to be influential to the people around us so that things look a little bit more like heaven than they do earth. There's a, there's a, a verse that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8 that I, I don't fully understand. I'm going to give that disclaimer right now. I don't fully understand this verse, but I think there's still wisdom that we can be gleaned from it. <clears throat> and it's uh, verses 19 through 21. And it says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So the two things that I, I feel confident enough that we can pull from this is the world is broken. The world's a broken place. It was subjected to frustration. If you don't believe the world has been subjected to frustration, you haven't walked through fire ants barefoot yet. The world is subject to frustration. Um, and it was subject to frustration by the sin that we brought into it. But it also says that creation, even though it's subjected to frustration, is waiting for the children of God to be revealed. And that's us. That's me and you. That's, that's us believing in our heart of hearts that we're sons and daughters of God and that we can act in a way that creation, and when I say creation, I don't just mean nature. I mean, I mean the economy, the stock market, um, 
our businesses, our offices, our churches, our communities, creation, all the things that God has made respond when the sons and daughters of God begin to speak and act like sons and daughters of God. Creation is literally waiting for us to begin to do that. And then when we begin to do that, creation itself will be liberated from its bondage of de- to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. I have no idea what that looks like. <laughs> I have no idea what it looks like. But if, if we're going to take God at his word, then there's something to be said for being problem solvers. There's something to be said for being prepared. There's something to be said for having a solution to problems. And even when you don't know what that solution is, believing that God has one and he's going to show it to you. Being hopeful and joyful. Joseph wasn't a prophet. Joseph had a great work ethic. And then later on, you learn that he does have this ability to interpret dreams. But don't, don't get distracted by the mysticism of interpreting dreams. God does give dreams, and he does give interpretations of dreams. But I've seen just as many people interpret, you know, marketing figures. And I've seen people interpret, you know, p- you know financial figures that is just as remarkable to me as someone who can interpret dreams. We're here because God loves us immensely and wants to bring heaven to earth. And if that looks like living a life that, that God gives us insight into what may happen in the future, and, and, and God gives us what we need to be prepared, and not just be prepared to look after our families, but be prepared to continue to live generously when times are hard, to continue to, to be, have a strong arm to help people while, while times are difficult then that's the kingdom, and that's what it looks like to be a son and daughter of God. And the, and the most important thing is you make a difference. Kind of Joseph didn't fall into the lie that his, his words and his behavior doesn't matter. Again, if anyone had reason to think that, it would be Joseph. But, but you make a difference. You are all sons and daughters of God. And when you speak and act like sons and daughters of God, creation responds and heaven comes to earth. So what, what if we were always looking for what God is doing now and how to join him? What, what if wherever we went, we took a lesson from Joseph and we were looking for what's God up to? I mean, especially now of all times, God's up to some stuff. And what if we all asked him, what are you up to? And, 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 and where and how can I join you in what you're doing right now? And what if we just didn't prepare for our families, but we we're prepared so that we can help others in hard times? And, and above all, if, if hard times do happen and, and we do feel unprepared, we do know that there is grace and that God is there to catch us and to help us out. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. That your Holy Spirit lives inside of us to, to work and act and to push and, 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 and for your power to, to work through us. And Lord, we just thank you that, that you said for anyone who wants wisdom, all they have to do is ask. Anyone who wants understanding and insight, all they have to do is ask, and you'll gladly give it. And, and Lord, we just ask for those things. We ask to know how, how we can live in a way to, to be a support and a, and a love to others. How we can live in a way so that your people can free creation from its bondage to decay and that your children can begin to reverse what's happened in the world and bring your heaven to earth. 
we love you, Lord, and we know you're doing great things in the midst of a difficult time. And, and that is our hope, and that is our, our joy, is that you are active and work in the world right now. In your name we pray. Amen.